Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg where we believe that marketing strategy should be delivered in plain English. This is Lorraine Ball. This is Jared Jewett. And this week we're going to talk about raising money. Raising money for who? For yourself? For your business? For your organization? Across the board? Well, these days, with a lot of the online tools, you can raise money for just about anything. Yeah, I love it. I think it's a fascinating kind of environment and... If you run a business, if you run an organization, you can do so much with these platforms. So, I think, let's talk about some of the the most common. The one that really kicked it off was Kickstarter. Right, no question. They were the first guys on the block. It was a fantastic business idea for them to say, let's provide a really clean place online for anybody to raise money for basically anything, and we'll just take a percentage off the top. And so if you have an idea for a business, if you want to raise money for a not-for-profit association, you basically describe your idea, create a Kickstarter page, and then begin promoting it to your friends, family, business associates. And they've done a great job kind of evolving their platform over time. It really is user-friendly now. Originally, there weren't that many rules. It was kind of the Wild West, and you could put up basically whatever media you wanted on the page. You could say basically whatever you wanted on the page to get your funding. But now there's a very clean set of of clear-cut guidelines for you need this sort of introduction. We would like you to have a video, a certain number of images. And when someone uh, pledges or donates to your fund, we also expect that you send them some sort of communication. So I think Kickstarter really is one of the best um, professional ways to get something funded. The nice thing with Kickstarter is wonderful social integration. So when someone donates, they have an opportunity to easily share the information with their friends and their followers. And so if you have a clever or interesting or engaging idea, you can really take advantage of their social networks. Yeah, and it's great that Kickstarter was kind of the first, you know, bad guy on the block, and and they were able to set that up, because now everybody else kind of follows that model. But really, Kickstarter is the cleanest place to make sure that sort of interaction actually happens. Now, the downside with Kickstarter is you put an idea out there, and if you don't hit your goal, Kickstarter is an all-or-nothing kind of conversation. If you are looking for $5,000 and you raise $2,000 or $4,995, you get zero. You have to raise $5,000 or more. And so you really have to think about an appropriate goal. How much should we ask for? If you ask for too little, well, you'll get it, but you won't have enough money for your project. And if you ask for too much, you won't get anything at all. Absolutely. And there's a lot of strategy around it, too, to kind of figure out. Because within your, uh, your funding campaign, you can set different levels of payment, different levels of pledging. And at those different levels, you agree to give uh, the donator uh, a, a certain gift, right, or some sort of communication. So um, there are a lot of different ways to go about it. So you can set something like a $1 pledge where you just send someone an email and say, we're glad you're interested. Thanks. Every little bit counts. Sometimes that works if your goal is pretty low or you know that whatever you're doing is so exciting that you'll have a high volume of people coming in and and that will be interested in the project. 
um, it's not so great uh, if, if it's something that's expensive and you're really looking for people to come in and donate 250 or 500 bucks at a time. Having a $1 donation might not get you there. The other thing that you need to think about, and I think people fall into this trap, they do a small Kickstarter, it goes well, and now they go back to the well again. And this applies to Kickstarter or any of these platforms. You really need to think about how often you can ask your community to give. The first time you're raising money, and a friend of mine wrote a book, and she was raising money to pay for the printing and publishing and distribution of the book, and she raised about $7,000, and she raised it pretty quickly. But when she got ready for her second book, people were like, well, I gave you last time. And so... She didn't lower her expectation, and her second campaign didn't fund. Yeah, that's really rough, especially when you had so, have so much excitement and momentum behind your first launch. And then, yeah, you go back to something that's very similar, and you really do start to run out of steam. Um, I think one of the really cool strategies around that, though, is if you know that there are other people that you're not necessarily competing against for dollars but who have similar uh, events or funding programs within your industry or topic area, get with them. Say, hey, if you're interested in this project, there's another project over here that you can also fund, and they go very well together. So if you're running some sort of funding campaign and you can talk to those people and say, hey, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, uh, that's one way to at least get in with the people who are looking at their campaign and haven't seen yours yet. Absolutely. I think the other thing is that people have this idea that Kickstarter is about free money. It isn't. Kickstarter really is about seed capital for your business. And so if you are really serious, if you've got an innovative business idea, this is not looking for charity or a handout. Um, you may be offering people a piece of the profit. You may be offering them first shot to buy your stock when it goes public. You are asking people to kind of invest in your business. But growing businesses are not the only kind of companies that can, or organizations that can take advantage of these online funding tools. Right. And organizations of any kind, especially uh, charities, do very, very well um, in these sort of what we call crowdsourcing platforms um, because there is a community out there online who cares about something, anything. And if it's your thing and you are using a really clean platform like Kickstarter to reach them, you know, how easy is it for them to click one button and give you 20 bucks instead of you having to reach them with a very expensive television commercial, right? Getting them to maybe text into your business to, to donate to, or excuse me, to your organization to donate to your, uh, your nonprofit campaign. Uh, Kickstarter is uh, just a breeze for this. Well, and Kickstarter, again, I think, was built on this all-or-nothing kind yeah. of model. And for not-for-profits, that's really sad. And so there are some wonderful other tools that have sprung up that are quite popular right now, including um, Indiegogo. And they work kind of the same way, but the difference is you get whatever you raise. Oh, yeah. Indiegogo is uh, probably the the best for organizations who are really looking to make and keep that capital. Um, these these nonprofits that really need to get their, their campaigns running off the ground. Uh, Indiegogo is just as clean as Kickstarter, but you do get to keep everything. Now, the difference is with Indiegogo, um, they want people to be committed to raising money, and so they actually have a dual-level fee structure. 
If you make your campaign, you give them 4% of what you raise. If you miss your campaign, you have to give them 9%. So there is a penalty that you as an organization feel, so hopefully there's some incentive to go forward. But I don't think 9% is, is that bad. I think the system really is so clean that you're doing yourself a disservice if you're really not taking the time to be there and try to reach the audience that is interested in what you do and giving back uh, to your charity and the people you represent. And uh, Indiegogo is where you need to be for that. Now, we've had, um, I'm on the board of Indie Fringe, the theater festival. We're currently raising money for our toilets. Um, you can find our campaign on the uh, listed as the Wishing Lou on Indiegogo. But we've learned some interesting things using these tools. And one of the things that we've learned is you got to be really clear. you got to be really specific. you got to tell people, we're raising money for the curtain. We're raising money for the toilets. Very, very specific. This is what you get. And keep the asks small. Yeah. It, this, is not, this is not how you're going to raise your huge capital campaign for for a not-for-profit for an arts organization you're going to have to go back face to face with your donors and make those big asks but this is a way to build a larger community yeah it makes perfect sense because how easy it is it for someone to throw you two dollars five dollars which for you guys they would have done anyway for a, a, a cheap ticket to a nice show right um, whereas you're right on Kickstarter someone expects that you're to developing or designing a new video game, right? They're willing to give you 60 bucks up front because you're going to give them a copy of the game, right? Whereas the people who are on Indiegogo looking to donate charitably say, I know my $5 are going to the curtain, going to the toilet, and that's a very easy donation for them. And fun, and again, for us, um, we, for these small fundraising campaigns, what we've learned is if we are clever or quirky or fun, for the curtain, we actually got several performers from Comedy Sports Indianapolis to do a short video. When we decided we were going to dig out, literally dig out the basement under the theater, we had kind of an Indiana Jones theme, and again, we did a short video. Um, shared it on YouTube, shared it on the the uh, fundraising sites, and people got a laugh and went for it. Yeah, that's so cool. And you really do, you, these platforms are so powerful, you really can integrate that kind of, you know, holistic marketing and have this really cool interactive, uh, you know, bits of media. It'll really take your campaign to the next level. And I think in every market, there are local platforms as well. One of the things here in Indianapolis we've got, it, it was actually put together by the Arts Council, and it's called Power to Give. And it's power, the number two, and give. And it's a place where any not-for-profit organization connected to the arts in Indianapolis can go and say, hey, we'd like to raise money. The platform's about... I think two years old, and there's been some limited success. I think a lot of small not-for-profits don't really know how to take advantage of it. And also, when you're using a platform like that that's tied to an association, there's an approval process. Right. So if you're looking to get your funding within a certain time band, within a, a, a date range, you really do need to be uh, preparing for that a long time ahead. And I think that the campaigns that I have seen that have been the most successful, that's really kind of the other piece of it. With Indiegogo, it's so easy, or Kickstarter. You can put up a campaign today and start generating pledges tomorrow. 
but you may not necessarily generate as many pledges as you need because you haven't taken the time to really think about how are we going to promote it, how are we going to use it, how are we going to take advantage of media opportunities. Right, and if you're going into it cold, don't do it. Just take the time, figure out the media that you're going to show on your campaign page. You know, you have to explain what you're about, why you're important, what you're promising people. And you, again, you said it earlier, you have to be very, very, very clear. And if you, again, if you're walking into creating those, these campaigns without all of that written out and ready to go, don't do it. The last thing I think as you're looking at all of these fundraising tools, time it. Right now, we are in early December. It is the holiday season. People are thinking about donating to charity. It's a great time to do a fundraise for not-for-profits. It is not, however, a great time to try raising money for your business because people's extra money is going to be tied to their holiday purchases. When's a good time to start fundraising for businesses? I'm going to say January. That whole turning over a new leaf, people are thinking about that. One other thing I really want you to think about is if you're going to launch your campaign, it's not just the pieces, it's the people. You want to make sure that your supporters, your close friends, are lined up to help promote your offer. Oh, yeah. You need to have uh, all, all, all the bullets in the barrel, right? You need to have everybody ready to fire when your campaign launches, the people you trust and the people uh, in your industry who are experts, the people hopefully that you've had some sort of dealings with before who, who are, are really authorities in, uh, if you're a charitable organization. Let's say, you know, the Red Cross, they've got tons of people who are health experts who are always lined up and ready to go when they have a new funding campaign. Uh, and if you can set those, those people up, and uh, heck, if you can write their stuff for them, right, then it's very easy for them to copy and paste, send a tweet, and, uh, and make the job really easy. And... I think everybody has heard the stories of the guy who raised money to make a grilled cheese sandwich. There's always that one crazy first-time out-of-the-box idea. Don't expect that that's going to be your fundraising campaign. Do your homework, and these tools will do the work for you. If you'd like to know more specifically about the Indie Fringe Fundraising, be sure to look for the Wishing Lou on Indiegogo. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.